The following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. He says, You act so pious. You come to the temple every day. You seem delighted to learn all about me. You act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. You ask me to take action on, on your behalf, pretending you want to be near me. And the people of Israel say, We have fasted before you. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you didn't even notice it. Okay, so if you were to ask an Israelite in this day as, that Isaiah is writing to, they would have said, look, we've, we've made sacrifices for God. We, are, we have been you know, faithful going to church. We endure all these long sermons. We do all this stuff and we're sacrificing. We're fasting for God, right? But God just seems to be ignoring us, right? God responds, I'll tell you why. It's because you're fa- you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds, reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with, white, with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Love that one. Uh, get the picture. Okay, here's Israel thinking they're vacuuming up a storm, thinking they are doing all these things that God prescribed for them, thinking that they are being obedient, thinking they are being fervent in the things of God. But God says, you don't have a clue. He says, you are uh, uh, making great sacrifices. You imagine you're doing great things for God, but the truth is, as he says here, you're doing it for yourself. You're doing it to please yourself. And in the end... It's a huge waste of time and energy because they weren't paying attention to the right things, right? Uh, and I just think that's a great place for us to start when we talk about mission. Uh, <clears throat> because it's easy for us to assume, very easy for us to assume, that because we carry the title missionary or pastor or full-time Christian worker, or that we have some ministry title in a Christian organization, that we are thereby automatically doing ministry. Uh, And the the truth is, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of pastors. There's a lot of times in my own life as a pastor, I've been busy, I've been thinking I was doing great things for God because I really didn't understand what the mission was and I wasn't paying attention to the right things. I was wasting a lot of time and energy and completely missing the boat. And we don't want to do that. None of us in this room wants to be in that place. 
where we, we look back and go, oh my goodness, you know, I was vacuuming with the belt on backwards, and I was actually producing the reverse effect. Right? None of us wants to be there. So it's good to take a moment and stop and think through really what ministry is, what mission is, and uh, really be careful to evaluate uh, what we are really doing, how we are spending our time and energy with, uh, with God's instructions about mission. Uh, and it's, it's good for us to think of it individually as well as together as the body of Christ. So let's look through this. And um, I had really hoped to find, because I really like to just sink my roots into one scripture. I could not do that. Uh, and so instead I came up with about 500 scriptures, which I've narrowed down to 200. Uh, no, not quite that bad. But uh, I just want to survey and kind of hit some high points of what God says about his mission, about ministry. And uh, help us think through, is this, is this really what I'm doing? Is this really where I'm at personally? Right? Um, and, and how do we evaluate what we are as a church? So let's look first at what the mission is. Um, pretty simple, you know. Um, we all know the Great Commission. And by the way, the, the reason we picked the words communion, community, and commission is that the word com means with. So the first idea is that we are with God in relationship. Secondly, we're with each other as the body of Christ in oneness. And then lastly, we're not just doing mission, but we're really doing mission with God and with each other. So these are kind of a progressive stages. Right? It really does begin with communion. We talked about that the first week. Communion influences and dictates that we be part of community, that we be striving for oneness in the body of Christ. And then together, as members of the body, we are to be on mission with God. So what does that mean? Uh, uh, first, it means knowing what God is doing. Okay? Any mission that's worth anything, any mission that's worth being uh, engaged in, must be God's mission. Right? Uh, we don't have the freedom or liberty to dictate uh, our mission to God. Okay, and I'm guilty of this often. I get a great idea, and I'm convinced that all my ideas are divinely inspired. Anybody have that problem? Uh, if I thought of it, certainly it must be right, right? And uh, so I, I'm a great one for convincing God to get on board with me, right? Because with, with, with my help, I can do anything. Or with his help, I can do anything, right? So... Um, so here's John 5, 19 and 20 says this. Jesus explained uh, to the Pharisees, actually, the, the Sadducees and Pharisees who were harassing him for healing on the Sabbath. He says to them, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. Okay, this is Jesus, second person of the Trinity, okay, the incarnate living God, saying to them, I can't do anything by myself. Okay, I, I am... I'm not ever in a position where I can come up with my own ideas, my own plan, my own mission. He says, every day, every day, the Son does only what He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him everything He is doing. In fact, the Father will show Him how to do even greater works in healing this man. Then He will truly be astonished. I love this. Jesus understood this principle that he was not the one who invented or created mission. He's not the one who decided or defined what mission was. He said, look, that's God's job. That's the Father's job. And he said, the Father is at work in the world. And I love that picture. 
we're, we're, you know, we are not here to save the world. Okay? We're not here to save anybody. We're not here to accomplish great things for God. Uh, God is at work in the world. God is on a mission to bring his salvation to people. God is on a mission to do his work in the world. And he has graciously invited us to partner with him. But it's ultimately his mission, right? It's what God is doing. It is his work in the world. And the sooner we come to grips with that and really own that and really understand what is implied in that, life gets a whole lot easier. Okay, life gets a whole lot easier. And we see, you know, God is working. Okay, and all I have to do is show up. So it's kind of like this. You know, there's these people that uh, have learned how to get by in life with doing the least possible work, right? And they, they know that one of the keys to this is just showing up and standing by people who work really hard, right? So if you're doing construction work, you know, you find the guy who's just, you know, hammering nails and sawing wood like crazy, and you just hang around him a lot, right? And all of a sudden, the whole house is up, and uh, this guy spent most of his time eating lunch and drinking coffee, while the other guy did all the work. But when the boss shows up, he goes, wow, you guys work hard. Oh, yeah. I'm all over that, <laughs> right? Well, that's kind of the way it is with us and God, right? We just kind of show up and stand by him where he's working, where he's going to town, where he's doing crazy things, where he is exploding in an, a, a flurry of activity, right? And all we've got to do is just show up and stand by him, right? Now, of course, God actually wants us to actually do something, and he invites us and he, he calls us to partner with him, even if it means, you know, we just simply hold one end of the board while he does all the rest. But he wants us to be a part of what he's doing. But the truth is, he's doing it. And so, when we think about mission, the, the critical question to ask is, what is God doing? And you know, we live in a day and an age, especially if we come from more Western cultures, where there's been lots of books written about the purpose-driven life and the purpose-driven church and the purpose-driven this and purpose-driven that. And, and we all know that you can't do ministry unless you have a mission statement, Right? If you don't have a mission statement, you can't do anything, right? You don't have to know what it means or anything. It just has to look nice on the wall, and then, you know, everything's good. And we're all about that. We're all about writing our plans and our missions and our visions and, you know, our purpose statements and our objectives and our goals, and we can spend, you know, most of our life writing these things. Uh, but the question is, did you, actually, did you actually stop and ask God first? God... What is your mission? What do you want me to be doing? Right? What is your plan? Anytime our mission statements, goals, purposes, objectives, are things that we have come up with on our own, that we have come up with apart from God's purpose and mission and work in the world, okay, we have not paid attention to the right thing. And no matter how energetically we go at it, no matter how much zeal, no matter how enthusiastic, no matter how much we pour ourselves into it, if it's not actually what God is doing, you're wasting time and energy. Right? You are not on mission with God. So for, if, firstly, it starts there. It must be uh, a careful seeking of what God is doing. And that's why it's so important that this progression, that we start with communion, uh, that we, 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 we filter this through community, and then we go into, com into commission. Right? Uh, the first step of any mission... Any action for God needs to be a deep seeking of God, saying, God, what do you want me to do? You know, we hear a lot about George Mueller being this great guy of faith who uh, was willing to let 2,000 kids starve to death because he, wasn't a, because he was 
not going to ask for help, right? That's kind of how he can be portrayed sometimes. Um, but the truth is, George Mueller didn't operate. George Mueller was not about not asking for help. That was not what it was about with him. What, is, what it was about with George Mueller was this. He went to the Father and said, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want my, me to invest my life in? And he felt that God said this. God said to him, I want you to take care of the orphans and, and the, people, the kids that nobody's taking care of. And I want you to demonstrate my glory by showing that I am sufficient to take care of those kids. Right? He had a very clear and specific calling from God. And so that's exactly what he did. And everything else that he did was in a walk of obedience into that specific mission that God called him to. It wasn't that he didn't believe he, you know, it was wrong to ask for money or that you can't ask for money. But it's not what God asked him to do. God said, I want to show you that I am sufficient. I am enough. Right? You don't need anything else. And I will take care of these orphan children. And that's how he lived his life out. Um, because he saw God and he heard clearly God speak to him what he wanted him to do. Um, transition into point two. Once we recognize that God is the one doing the work, uh, we need to be doing the work he has assigned to us, right? assigned to you. A couple of very familiar scriptures we know. Ephesians 2.10 says this, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Right? So the work that Jesus has done to save us, to bring him to himself, to transform our lives, he did this because he has a job for you. He has saved you to do good works, to do ministry. Right? And I love this. He says that, that he prepared, he planned this good work for you to do beforehand. I mean like way beforehand like probably before the world was begun, right? So I love this. God is at work. His purpose is to bring his saving, uh, redeeming uh, life to lost mankind. And he wants you to be a part of it. And you have an important role. So important that God thought about this before he unfolded his purposes at the beginning of time. And he looked down and he saw you and he said, this is what you are going to do to make a difference in the world, to make a difference in eternity. It's amazing, right? It is amazing. To be in mission means to be taking the task that God has assigned to me and doing it faithfully. And it's, it's incredible that God uh, not only thought about saving you, but thought about giving you a, a role, a ministry uh, that would be a part of his incredible unfolding plan of the ages. Right? Uh, amen. That God... Uh, calls us to partner with him. John fifteen sixteen, Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should last eternally. Okay? Not just for a little while, but forever. Okay? That's God's call in your life. Every believer is called to bear fruit, is called to ministry. Now, this is one of the dangers with this whole thing that we've got to be careful with, vocational ministry. Uh, Vocational ministries aren't called to ministry any more than anybody else or any less, right? Okay, what you do as a job is a job, okay? And it doesn't matter if you're a preacher or you're a car mechanic. It should all be ministry, okay? Preaching is not more ministry than the guy who's faithfully serving God at his job, putting, you know, parts together or fixing cars or, you know, being a Maybond, right? It's all 
doing what God called us to do and doing it in a way that makes an impact in the world. Right? Now the truth is, here's the, here's the glorious truth. There's a lot of people in full-time ministry who aren't doing anything. Right? There's a lot of people who are you know, 90-year-old little ladies who physically, people look at them and say, well, they, they're done. Right? But they are praying up a storm and they are moving kingdoms. Right? While guys like me are just running around being crazy and very unproductive. Because we don't have God's perspective really on it, right? We judge things by the way the world judges things. When we see somebody who's really busy, we say, wow, they must be really doing great things for God. You see somebody else who's sitting quietly uh, idling by the hours, and we go, boy, they're just, it's too bad. God's not taking them home because they're just taking up space, right? God doesn't see it that way. Okay? God does not see it that way. Uh, he has a different economy of what matters, right? So what's important is that we are doing the thing we were created for, that we, through the abiding relationship with Christ, are bearing the much fruit that he's called us to do. Um, uh, so, so mission, ministry, is simply doing the work God has assigned to us, right? whatever that is. Right? And we'll talk some more later about what specifically that may look like. Um, in the end, all that matters is that I do exactly what God calls me to, that I'm in obedience, right? Uh, that I'm faithful with the gifts and calling God has put on my life. That's, that's the mission. And, uh, and, of course, the big scope of mission is that we reach the world, which kind of reads us into the next point. What is the mission field? Uh, what is the target of our mission? That's kind of where it comes from. It comes from God. It comes from his calling. But... Where are we to go to? What's the goal, the target, the area of our service? Well, throughout Scripture, it basically gets broke down into two big areas. Okay, we can divide it into two, two parts. Okay? And the first part, we all know this. This is not anything new. Like I said, I'm teaching first aid to a room full of doctors. But um, just to review, our mission is to the world, right? A lost world that is in darkness, that desperately needs light. Uh, a world that is in bondage to their own uh, selfishness, in bondage to their own will, in bondage to the lies of Satan, trapped, okay, prisoners. And God says, I want to set these people free. I want to give them light and life. Right? And that's, the, that's what God calls us to, to go into this world of darkness and bring the light of Christ, to shine the truth before the world. And we know the scriptures, Matthew 28 uh, Jesus said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. All the nations, right? Every people group, every tongue, every language. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I've given you. Right? So that's the mission. The great commission. Acts 1, uh, 8. Same thing. Uh, Jesus was eating with them. He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised to the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water, but I will baptize you with the Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, uh, Lord, is it, the, is it time for you to set free Israel and restore our kingdom? Okay, now here's, here's the disciples pushing the broken vacuum, right? They think the mission is restoring Israel. They think it's all about returning the Davidic kingdom to the Holy Land, Right? And they go, okay, Jesus, you know, you died, you did the whole resurrection thing. That was way cool. Okay, now when you, when you do the real stuff, the good stuff, give us our kingdom back, right? And Jesus is going, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. And, and only God sets that. God sets the mission. Only God the Father uh, knows those times and seasons. He says, but, but here's the point. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And here's your job. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? So we know that. We are to be witnesses. We are to take the good news of Jesus to every tribe and tongue to the ends of the earth. Right? And we're, we're partway there here. Some of you work even more towards the ends of the earth. Some of you, I think, you know, you're out there. The very ends of the earth. The unreached peoples. Right? That's what we want to do. Um, and, and we kind of know this. This is, this is the mission. Um, but that's only one part of what God describes in Scripture as, as our mission. Right? And uh, there is also another uh, whole spectrum or area where it actually spends more time in the New Testament talking about our ministry in this sphere. And this sphere is actually the church, the body of Christ. Uh, And when you actually weigh out Scripture passages, the the Bible says a lot more about our ministry within the body than it does about our ministry to the world, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, And I won't list all of those passages, but here's a couple. Ephesians 4 uh, says this, uh, 4, 11 to 16. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Okay, so God gave certain gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, their responsibility, their job is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Right? So in other words, uh, God has given church leaders, pastors, evangelists, apostles, prophets, teachers, and their primary job is to equip everybody for ministry. And uh, in the context of Ephesians 4, the, the bulk of that ministry is to each other. Right? So, so that the body, the body will be built and up and strengthened. Uh, at the end of that passage, uh, all the way down in verse 16, he says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work, ministry, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Right? So uh, when we think about mission, when we think about ministry, it's important, very important, that we see ministry not only as we reach out to the world, but also to each other as the body of Christ. Vitally important. And we'll see in a minute why. Another great passage, there's, there's tons in the New Testament. Let me just read one more. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11 says this. The end of the world is coming soon. Amen. I love that. And, you know, this was written 2,000 years ago. If he could say this then, uh, the soon would be much more pressing now, okay? Because 2,000 years have gone by. So the end of the world is coming soon. All right? Therefore, in light of that, Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those in need uh, who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given you each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Uh, Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping? Uh, Do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God 
through Jesus Christ. All right? So, and many other scriptures talk about our spiritual gifts, our ministry. Um, when we think about what ministry and mission is, uh, we should have two fields of ministry before us, and we need to be careful that we keep these things in balance. We are to be on mission to the world to bring the light and life of Christ, the message of the gospel to lost people. But equally important, we are to be ministering to each other, showing love, building each other up, teaching and equipping each other, encouraging each other, strengthening each, each other. Right? Um, here's, a, here's a question. Which of these... We, we want to think about mission priorities, okay? And we always want to have good priorities... So as we look at our life and we look at, you know, ministry of the world, ministry of the church, trick question, which is more important, right? I want to ask you to raise your hands, but think about it. Uh, now, you know, we all have our own gifts and callings, and certainly individually, we may, because of our gifting, be more directed in one of those areas than the other, right? But which is more important? Uh, I want to ask you to vote, but, but uh, the truth is neither, Okay. There's a priority that's even above those two, right? And that priority is that our first ministry is not to the world or even to the church. Our first ministry is to who? God, right? Our first ministry priority is to God himself. Um, all ministry has to begin there. Now, of course, our ministry to God is as we do it to the world and as we do it to, peop- uh, to the body of Christ. But our first service of ministry is actually to God the Father, uh, notice these scriptures. Romans 12.1 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, my brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, of course, by this he doesn't mean go jump off a building. right? Uh, not that kind of sacrifice. Uh, he wants you to give your life to mission, to give your life to ministry, to give your life to these twofold aspects of reaching the world and building up the body of Christ. In fact, in the... In the context of Romans 12, he goes from here into talking about body ministry, about using our gifts to build up the body of Christ. Um, So give your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Spiritual service of worship. Now that's a very difficult word in the Greek to translate, and there's about 50 different ways translators have tried to handle that word, because it's confusing. Is it service? Is it worship, right? Is it spiritual? Well, it's, it's all three together in one word. And the word was used of Levites doing their duty in the temple. Okay, now when the Levites would do their duty in the temple and they would go to the temple and they would, you know, clean and they would uh, stack firewood and they would haul water and do all the things as service for the temple ministry, was that service or was it worship? Yes, right? Yes. It was both, Right? And their serving in the temple was, was their act of worship. And it was a spiritual gift to God. Right? And, and the great principle in this, tr- the great truth in this idea is that when we do anything as a service to God, it is worship. It's worship, right? So Brother Lawrence, you know, who wrote the book, Practicing the Presence of God, learned when he was a monk, and they give him, they give him the significant and glorious job as a spiritual guy who would one day become a saint, they gave him the job of scrubbing pots and pans. Uh, you know, now you, you have two ways to look at this. You could say, man, I could be out teaching, I could be out evangelizing, I could be out saving people, I could be out discipling, right? 
Or I could be stuck here doing dishes. There's no purpose in that. You know, I'm not doing anything great. But what did Brother Lawrence say? He said this. He said, this is my greatest act of worship. I'm going to wash dishes. I'm going to scrub pots and pans in this this, uh, monastery as my gift to God of worship. So here's the first practical lesson about mission and ministry. Everything you do has potential to be ministry if you do it as a gift of worship to God. So if you're a fifth grade student and you have to take a spelling test, it could potentially be worship, which would greatly redeem its value. (laughs) Sorry, fifth grade spelling English teachers. Uh, Anything has the potential to be ministry if it's done in worship. Of course, the the flip side is also true. It means anything you do that's not done in worship to God all of a sudden loses its impact for worship. So I could be you know, a great evangelist and I could stand up in front of a million people and I could proclaim Jesus Christ, but if I'm doing it, as, as Isaiah says in 58, for my own pleasure, for my own glory, right? it's no longer ministry. It's no longer mission. Now, amazingly, God uses his word in spite of broken vessels. But for my part of it, I have disqualified myself from ministry. Right? So the first practical rule, all worship, I mean, all, all ministry must be an act of worship. Right? It must be to God. Uh, Matt, Jesus says it this way in Matthew 25. Uh, 25, 32 through 40. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, speaking about judgment day. Jesus sits on his throne as judge of heaven and earth. All all the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come to me, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Man, I, I love those words. Do you want to hear those words when you stand before Jesus? You know, inherit what I have been working since the creation of the world to give you, right? Uh, for, and then he goes on, he says, For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you? When when were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink or a stranger and we showed you hospitality or naked and gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you were doing it for me. Here's the amazing thing. We talk about incarnational ministry and about how when we go out into the world and we become the hands and feet of God, when we go out and we show God's mercy, we become Christ to those people we're reaching to. But Jesus really turns that around in this passage. And he says, here's the deal. When you go out and you serve me, when you go out and you show kindness to those in need, they are Jesus to you. Right? They are being Jesus to you. When you give, you are giving it as to me. Right? It becomes worship. It becomes direct service to God himself. So the cool thing is all service, all mission, all ministry is ultimately 
done to God. Right? It is in the world, it's in the sphere of the world, it's in the sphere of the church, but it's all done first and foremost as a priority of worship to God. So there needs to be a, a balance or a flow in in the order of this. Okay, and it's very important you get this order right. Because uh, if you get it out of order, it doesn't work. And the order really is communion, community commission. Okay, that I start my life in f- deep abiding fellowship with God. Okay, that that becomes a top priority in my life. Um, that I do all things for His glory and in relationship with Him. Right? And as part of that, if I'm truly uh, serious about abiding and walking with Christ, then oneness in the body and, and community is going to be very important. In fact, in John 15, we looked at that. Jesus says, you know, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you, you can ask whatever you wish, I'll give it to you. By this, they'll know you're my disciples. He says, abide in my love and... and uh, Live in my love. And if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And my command is this, that you love each other. Right? So if we're abiding in Christ, we will be loving each other. But then beyond that, he says, you, you should be bearing fruit. Out of, that, out of those relationships, and that's why Jesus' prayer in John 17 is so important. He says, if you're one, that will be your greatest witness uh, to me. Right? That will be your most effective witness. So it's vital that we start with communion, that we are engaged in, in relationship and in building unity in the body of Christ. Out of that will flow effective ministry. But here's, what we, here's the temptation. Okay? It's a temptation I deal with all the time. Uh, a lot of our identity, uh, well, let me put it this way. I think all of our identity gets shaped by what we do. Right. In other words, most of us don't have a, an identity built around uh, abiding in Christ. Uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't. And here's here's proof of this. When we send letters home, send prayer letters home, I haven't seen too many where the whole crux of the prayer letter is, "Man, God and I are having this amazing relationship. I want to tell you about. I'm just I'm just so close to God, and I just want you to know about it. I'm glad you're supporting me and send, you know, spending thousands of dollars so I can have this deep relationship with God." It doesn't sell well, okay? It doesn't, just doesn't work well because, sadly, it's not, it's not where we place the greatest priority, right? And it's not where we shape identity. Where do we get our identity? Well, we mostly get it through what we do, right? And the temptation is this, that we, we, short, we, we, we skip the first two steps, right? We short circuit, we bypass that, and we just go great to the, straight to the doing part because that's what people care about, and that's what I care about, Right? So I'm just going to do the doing part. And I'll worry about all that other spiritual fluffy stuff later, right? Because I don't get that anyway, right? I'm just going to get to work. I'm going to do stuff for God. I'm going to save the world. I'm on a mission, right? Uh, it doesn't work, right? You're going, to be, you're going to be the guy pushing the broken vacuum, right? Going to town, working up a storm, having a good old time, imagining you're doing great things for God, but you will miss it because you won't even know what the mission is. You will not have heard God speak clearly what you're supposed to be doing. Okay? And I speak all this from personal experience. I'm good at this. Okay? <laughs> I, know, I know how to do this. Uh, and it's not what God calls us to. Right? It's got to be in that order. There has to be this flow of ministry. Right? And as part of that flow of ministry, there is also a, an, an ordering. I don't know if it's a priority as much as it's an ordering. And the ordering is like this, that 
ministry to the church has to come first, right? Just like communion has to come first. Building up the church must, must take precedence over ministry to the world, right? And the, 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 the example of this is that uh, a weak church is not effective, right? Uh, and, and the truth is, God did not call us individually to ministry. His calling, His instructions, His commands are not to me personally alone. It is to His church. Right? This is supposed to be a group project. Some of us are not good at group projects, but it's supposed to be a group project. We're supposed to be doing this together, and Jesus prays in John 17. They'll be a lot more effective when they do this as one. Right? So it's important that we are building each other up. And the truth is, my spiritual development is not about just me and God. Right? If I isolate myself and I have this idea that I'm going to become a spiritual giant, just me and Jesus, okay, it's never going to happen. Because God has set it up that my spiritual development requires input from lots of different sources called the body of Christ. Right? Lots of different places. We need each other. We will never reach full maturity and godliness by ourselves. We need each other. We need the input of all these different voices into our life and all of their giftings to give us balance and maturity, to grow us up in Christ. Um, So there's a sense in which we want to be about, and it's important to be about building up the body of Christ. Now, uh, building up the body of Christ is not the same as bodybuilding. You've seen weightlifters. And, you know, there's people, there's two different kinds of weightlifters. There's uh, people who do weightlifting and there's bodybuilders, right? And bodybuilders are a strange group of people who lift weights for the sole purpose of popping out all over the place, right? Their goal is to bulge, right? And they, they do everything to bulge. And the whole, the whole point of it is, to, is, for, is for great appearances, right? It's all about impressing. It's all about putting on a show, right? So it doesn't matter if they can actually do anything. Like if you handed a guy a shovel and he couldn't actually use it, it doesn't matter, you know, because it's just about buffing. I can't actually, I, I don't actually have it, so. <laughs> I, I don't even go there. It's all about the show, right? And it's kind of silly. Well, when we talk about building up the body, we're not bodybuilders, okay? The point is not to build up the body for the sake of appearance so that we can say, everybody look at our church, look at how we bulge everywhere. Look at our programs. Look at our cool stuff. Look at how we impress people. Right? Sadly, a lot of churches have got... They, 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 this is their mission. Their goal is to build up the body so it bulges and pops out all over the place and impresses other people. The point is to, is to be building up the body so it can be strong for its mission. Right? So that when we go out to do ministry, we are equipped and fitted, well-supplied, and able to accomplish what God's called us to do. Um, well, lastly, let's look at the task. And this is stuff we know, so I'm just going to go through it really quickly. Uh, what does mission require me to do? Okay, what should we be doing? Okay, and this is really important because we are to do something. Okay, we don't just sit around, we don't just abide, we don't just pray a lot, although that's very important. But God will call us to things. Uh, what does God call us to do? Real briefly, let me give you some, some quick things. Uh, and a couple of them I um, want to emphasize because they may be a bit surprising. Uh, and I think there's some order in this. I won't talk about why, but I do think there's some order to this. 
First thing, mission ought to be about serving. Right? Mission ought to be about serving. Uh, the very word that's used often, well, throughout the New Testament, the word that's used for minister, to do ministry, is the word diakonos, uh, which means literally to serve. It means to serve. Uh, so in John 13, Jesus says, you know, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He says, you see me do this now. You should do this to each other. You should be about serving. Okay, it should be a priority in our life. We read First Peter 4. He says it there. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another well. Okay, uh, as you evaluate your life in ministry, is there a solid component of what you do that's serving? Okay. That should be the, the attitude by which we go out in mission. All right. We're not the answer to people's problems. We're not there to fix everything. We're ultimately about serving, about coming alongside others and helping them be effective by serving them. Okay. Second, we should be taking care of the overlooked, okay, uh, the marginalized. Throughout Scripture, old and new, there's incredible emphasis placed on uh, taking care of the orphans and the widows and the poor and the prisoner and the alien, right? Uh, there should be a balance in our life of ministry. And if we spend no time and no effort and have no focus on taking care of the overlooked, okay, we're missing something. Um, and again, he says it over and over. First Peter, uh, the end of the world is coming. Be earnest in prayer. Most important of all, continue to show love uh, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay, right? That's ministry. Okay, there should be a part of our life that is about that, about taking care of those who the world is overlooking. We read Isaiah 58. That was God's main criticism against Israel, is you are ignoring this whole segment of population who have needs, right? And you're not doing anything. In fact, you're making things worse for them. Um, Matthew 25, we read that already, where Jesus talks about when you do it to the least of these, you give a drink, you give food, you're doing it to me. Listen to the reverse, okay? Um, the rest of the passage goes like this. The king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you did not give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me into your home. I was naked, and you did not give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Right? Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not help you? That word there is actually the word minister. Okay, when did we see you and not minister to you? Right? This is the, and, you know, the picture here. This is kind of serious. The picture is heaven or hell and judgment. And God's criteria for judgment is what? Uh, that you can quote John 3.16? <laughs> no, it's have you shown kindness to the overlooked, to the marginalized, to those who needed help? Did you help them? Right? Powerful words, challenging words. Right? Did you do ministry to needy people? Um, Moving along, uh, we need, of course, to bear witness to Jesus. 
Every believer is called to be a witness, right? Acts 1.8. Uh, we need to be making disciples, right? Uh, we need to be a witness. We need to, as people come to Christ through our witness, we need to be grounding them in the truth of word. We need to be building up the body. We need to be teaching them to obey what Jesus commanded. And finally, uh, we need to love people, right? Love people. Now, you can do lots of things. You can be involved in everything from translation to teaching to uh, evangelism to church planting to uh, community development. Okay, they're all good activities. But the question is, in any of those activities, whatever it is, are those components a part of what it is, right? Either as an organization, as a ministry plan, individually, personally, as a church, those things should be clearly evident because Jesus has made it clear, this is my mission, right? You should be doing these things. Some of us will do uh, more one than the other. But a balanced approach to ministry means we're doing all of these things. Um, uh, you know, we need to all evaluate our own lives. And I know I have many areas where I need to grow. I need to fix the balance. I need to shift the focus, right? Uh, what else does all this have to do with CCF? Well, simply, uh, in our mission statement, and <laughs> what we would like to be doing, uh, we see mission uh, as a church uh, in, in two areas. First, uh, the area of building up and equipping the body, right? We're a church, after all. <laughs> That's what we do. Uh, and we want to be careful about this. We want to be intentional and diligent about this, okay? One of the things we want to do is be effective in building up the body of Christ. And by that, we mean equipping every believer to do ministry uh, and for the mission God has for them. So whether it's a three-year-old you know, or a middle school student, a high school student, a young adult, adults, married couples, retirees, right? Uh, I'm starting to move into the category old people myself, um, the grandparent group. You know, at every phase, we want to be carefully working to equip through discipleship, through training, through teaching, um, in Ephesians 4, Paul says that God's given the gifts, the word gifts, okay, apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, people who are about the word of God because it's through the word that the body will be built up and established. Okay? We want to be uh, careful to be preaching the word because that's what will build us up, all of us. Um, but it's not the end of it, okay? Okay. Uh, we teach the word, but we do that to equip us to minister to each other, right? So we also want to be uh, encouraging and establishing community, all right? Uh, and this is a, a hard one in our context. We've got to work on this, but uh, we need to be ministering to each other, okay? Not just me teaching you, but you teaching each other, ministering, encouraging, you ministering to me, right? And that takes place in some levels of community, right? So that's one area. We do want to be... Uh, engaged in, in building up the body, but not to an end in itself. We're not bodybuilding. We're building you up so you can be effective in ministry uh, because we want to have a focus of reaching the lost for Christ, right? We all want to be in this together to reach lost people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, and so we want to be about meeting the needs of the poor. It's important. Serving and re meeting real needs in in, in Thai communities and Burmese communities, wherever. Okay, that, that's 
one of the most significant inroads the gospel can make because it's living out what Jesus is. Right? It's showing Jesus as well as telling Jesus. Uh, so we want to have a balanced approach of both. We call ministry in word and ministry in deed. We want to be proclaiming Jesus, but we also want to be demonstrating Jesus by caring for the poor, proclaiming, witnessing to who Jesus is. Of course, we want to be about things like discipleship and establishing new communities of faith. Uh, and ultimately, we want these to be reproducing. Right? That's what a lot of us are about, hopefully all of us. Right? Uh, we as a church want to do that. And we do it in various ways, some good, some not so good, some areas where we need to improve. But it's what we want to be about as a, as a local fellowship. And not only when we talk about the body of Christ, it's not just the people in this room, but we want to serve other churches, Thai churches, other international churches, uh, organizations where we can. Okay, it's, it's a group effort. We want to be bringing the body of Christ together You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Uh, in all its parts to do ministry together.